0: We can we can we can do this. We can swing this.
1: Can we? Where's my notebook? Great. I don't know. Oh, underneath the food. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, new yeah. for us. <laughs> All right, it's a new thing to juggle. If okay, so do you want? You ready? You can do it.
0: Yeah, I can do it. I can swing it. So many, so many, so many damn
1: books. Hi, hello, welcome to, to so many damn books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew, and today we have Evan Hanksor. Uh, our first, our our first <laughs> celebrity illiterate, illiterate guest? guest. Well, first illiterate guest. <laughs> yeah, <thank> yeah. You. <laughs> it's it's strange to not call him an author because you have written a cookbook.
2: That's true. Yeah, so, I've also published a poem upon one time. So, oh really? Uh, Where? Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was in the New Orleans Review back when I was down in Tulane. Oh. cool. Yeah. So I guess it was after I left. But anyway, yeah. <laughs>
0: Evan is a chef here in New York. Uh, you got your start here in New York at La Conda Verde. I
2: worked there when I first got here, yeah. First few, few brief
0: months. You came to Egg, uh, which is where you still are. You also, uh, you and George Weld have Parish Hall as well.
2: We had Parish Hall, yeah, for a couple years in there. And then we closed it a little over two years ago and moved Egg into that space, which is which is where it now resides. Nice. Uh,
0: where you are churning out. Goddamn delicious food yeah. all the time all yeah. the time
1: I'm gonna um, talk about the drink I made for you I I, you, please, I had my yeah. I felt like I had my um, my work cut out for me on this one <laughs> but this one is it's so I decided to go simple rather than crazy um, this is I'm calling the beehive. It's whiskey, and then also honey whiskey, and lemon, and a little bit of just regular granulated sugar, and you shake that up over ice, and you pour it over ice, you put a lemon wedge on top, and you sip it while you, I don't know, do anything, really. Yeah, anything.
0: Sit on a porch. I Probably, feel like is yeah. like the ideal.
1: If you can manage sure. that, you're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Conduct complicated surgery, yeah. anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, <laughs> it it pairs with all activities.
0: Please, please note: we do not recommend that surgeons partake.
1: Um, and you also mm. brought a snack. Uh, I did. Do bring you want to tell us a little that's, bit about the that's
2: snack? That's kind of what what you do when you cook things. You're like, oh, I got to bring a snack. Yeah. Um, yeah, I brought a Spanish omelet or a tortilla española. Um, I was in Spain a couple years ago and still haven't gotten over the food there, um, so I decided to bring it here tonight. It's just a potato, onion, and egg, sort of a saute-baked uh, omelet with some garlic and smoked paprika, mayo, and it, it's awesome. Well, yes. It's so, it is so cheap awesome. to make. It's, it's relatively easy to make, and it's super delicious.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm loving it. Thank you so much for bringing it Yeah, up. Let's move to... What did you buy?
0: What did you buy?
1: Me? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll talk first. Um, so coming up, I think in July, uh, you know, the month we're in now, I uh, Valley of the Dolls has its 50th year anniversary. Saw this great book, which has pink... You know, Edges, uh, this, this 50th anniversary version.
0: Facing Pages? No. I don't know what to call it. It's not End Papers.
1: Nope. It's where a deck edge would be. Instead, it's pink. Yeah. Um, and it's. I'm very excited to read it. What did you buy, Drew? This
0: past weekend, uh, Danny and I went by Unnameable Books. Oh, which yeah. Which I feel like Unami was the,
1: I love that place.
0: The last the last of the like major Brooklyn bookstores that I had to check off of my okay, I moved to the borough, now I've got to mm-hmm. check out all these places list. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we picked up our copy of Ocean Vuong's Night Sky with Exit Wounds. Such mm. a good title. Yeah.
1: And then... Uh, I'd guess that's a book of poetry. Indeed it
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And then the other day, uh, to balance that out, I bought Mark Danielewski's The Familiar Volumes 2 and 3. How does that balance that out? Because they're real big. Okay. <laughs> and the collection of poetry is pretty tiny. Yeah, that's... Yeah.
2: You have a weird idea of balance. <laughs> uh, Evan, what did you buy? Uh, well, today I was in Midtown, which I uh, aim not to be ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was there and uh, I was meeting uh, my mom for lunch and I went into the Barnes and Noble near the restaurant and I bought... Uh, the Emperor of All Maladies um, oh, wow. for $2, which was amazing. It was like on some crazy clearance. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is probably because Barnes & Noble is like going to close and ruin no, the book industry. But no, 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 it's never going to no, close. it's not. So I bought that. And then at, uh, the other day at Book Court, I bought um, an Adam Phillips book called On Balance. Uh, he's like one of my uh, spiritual leaders. He's like a British child psychi- psychiatrist who's written all these amazing books. And I had a copy of this and I gave it to my brother. So I had to buy a new one and, and it was there. So that's what I bought. Nice. Cool. That's awesome.
0: One of the really cool things about egg and something that I knew about egg long before I knew you uh, is the relationship that both you, I guess, and the restaurant have with literature and sort of like making the experience of having food. It's not just a meal. Mm -hmm. You found very interesting ways to, to... heighten the experience of sitting down for a meal and like tie it into culture in an interesting way. Uh, With the table of content series, Mm -hmm. um, you very graciously came on board as a bellwether artist, one of the companies that I produce for, uh, and did an amazing event with Heidi Julevitz about a year
1: ago. She wrote the, um, the vanishers and also put helped on women in clothes with
2: Sheila Hetty you don't yeah. know how to do you it? in the folded clock yeah. yes. which was the book of hers that i was like whoa this is awesome yeah. <laughs> that's a special book
0: yeah. i'm uh, i'm curious to know how you came around to doing that and like yeah. what the impetus was for starting to cook in that way
2: mm-hmm. well george and i both before getting into cooking were in in literature he was uh uh I always say PhD in like poetry, but I think in literature, uh, candidate up at, in Boston. Really? Yeah, and um, you know, wrote poetry for years and was working on a book. At the time he decided to open egg. Um, and I studied creative writing and philosophy at Tulane and, and was writing poetry and, and took cooking as kind of a gig I could do that would allow me to have my days mostly free and, and write and, and still exist, you know, in that world. Um, and then I think for both of us, not I think, like clearly cooking one out. <laughs> it, it, it dominated. Um, but I think we still bring some of the, like maybe the goals or, or the the mindsets or approaches that we had for our writing or for for writing and, and the way it, we engaged through it with the world to cooking. And I think when I started to, to understand uh, that I could do that, through food was when food seemed to become like a viable option for something I would do with my life. Um, when I was first cooking, it's was like, this is great. You know, you're, you're making delicious food. You're feeding people. That's totally admirable. Um, you're making beautiful plates. Um, but it didn't seem like enough. Uh, and when I started to realize the, the way food acted kind of as this like like a hub through which all these different things I cared about uh, intersected. Right. It was like the effect it had on community and the nostalgic nature of food and the, how it relates to our identity and uh, economy and, and politics um, and culture is like, wow, it's like a really powerful thing. Um, and not that I was able to like express that relationship that I was hoping to have with food in in every cooking job or experience i had but when i got to egg and after i'd been there for a couple of years i found sort of a kindred spirit in george and um i had had this idea in my head since i was at tulane when i was taking this class by a professor named dale edmonds it was his last class he was teaching at tulane after like 30 years he called it last call and I nice. just picked his favorite books and taught them um well, that'd and be awesome. yeah it was amazing <laughs> and i wasn't supposed to be in the class as was like a a sophomore and it was supposed to be for seniors, but I just kept going to the class and he's like, okay, you can stay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is actually, I think how most people like get jobs in restaurant, like good restaurants. You just keep going until they like get tired of telling, you no. um, Mm -hmm. so, Uh, we were reading The Sun Also Rises and I would read this, you know, it was in New Orleans. so I'd read it in the backyard of a friend's house with a bottle of wine and like get pretty drunk and be like, oh, this food looks, sounds amazing. And they're just (laughs) drinking all the time. And like all the Hemingway things you do when you're like young and stupid. (laughs) Um, And I was like, man, I wish I could cook like, or eat the food in this book. And years later, I brought that idea up to George, like, hey, why don't we do like a, a literary dinner and, and we, we did it and we started with the food book fair, um, which is a great event that happens yearly over at the Wythe hotel. Um, and we kind of used it as the closing event for that, for that weekend. And, um, and the first book was, uh, the sun also rises. And it was just, it was amazing. People loved loved it, loved the experience. It felt, it felt new. Um, and there were a lot of interesting, um, intersections between like the literary side of things and the culinary side of things that w- came together in, in ways I don't think it, either of us anticipated setting out to do it, but w- we've since kind of seen repeated.
1: Being a, a chef effector, reading it a lot now, or ever since you started doing this, or even before.
2: Yeah, um, certain, certainly, certainly uh, it does. And and the reading that I did as I was kind of becoming sort of like enlightened about food's role in in, in the world and developing my relationship to it, uh, things like Wendell Berry and Michael Pollan, like these like great writers about food, um, that shaped the reading that I was doing was shaping the cooking uh, that I was engaging with. Um, but at the same time, because I was cooking, I was also I didn't know anything when I started. I was truly like, just like faking it. Like I, I worked at this restaurant in Westport, Connecticut called the dressing room, which was a great, like super sustainable, like locally sourced restaurant. The chef there is way ahead of his time and in, in the sustainability movement. And I somehow like walked in there, got a job because the person who was hiring like, it was like, okay, great. You don't know that much. You won't have bad habits. We can teach you. And he's like, you can work the grill. I was like, okay. And I had probably fudged on my resume, like about like my experience. <laughs> I'd worked really briefly at a po' boy shop down in New Orleans and like learned nothing except like super hilarious cursing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I go into work the grill. I'm like, okay, sure. I, I guess I can do that. And it's just like six foot long, like just wood burning grill. And you're like, I get the logs in the morning. We light the fire. We like build the fire. You like manage the heat, cook like meats, fish, vegetables, all these things in the grill. And I had no fucking clue what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) So the first night of service, like the exemplary story is I was cooking burgers and I was cutting them in half after I like put them together and like put them on the I was like, okay, that looks good. You know? And after a little while, like pretty quickly, maybe a half hour, an hour. So someone, I think the chef walked in and, and it's like, who the fuck is cutting the burgers in half? <laughs> and like looked over at me and was like about to yell at me. Was, like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought that's how we were supposed to do it. Of course I didn't. Nobody cuts a burger in half unless you're a child. <laughs> um, and, but at that point I would kind of learned like, okay, it takes this long for medium, this long for a rare, this long run. And like I can't figure that out. So there's a lot of that. Um, and I got way, uh, away from the question of, uh, affecting my reading, but I was reading as many cookies as I could to try to learn as much as possible in like a super condensed time and then that affected my writing and i got pretty upset about it because i was writing poems with like lots of food in them i was like this isn't serious work like i i want to write about the human condition not tomatoes and whatever um and then my first published poem was about a tomato and that was uh, (laughs) that complicated things for me
0: Just for our listeners who might be unfamiliar, you do the big dinners where you sort of make an entire dinner based around a book, but Mm -hmm. then uh, semi-monthly?
2: Yeah, we try to do these monthly readings. Yeah,
0: and I've I've been to a couple now, and it's just, it's cool. You get two or three authors to come in, and you pull something, either an actual dish out of the book, Mm -hmm. or some sort of like, in the same way, Christopher, that you sort of make a drink Mm -hmm. inspired by a book. It's just fun to sit there and like the author will read a little bit and then you swoop out from the kitchen and you're like and now here is this thing and it's like oh <laughs> from what they were just reading
2: It's pretty it's amazing the reaction like and and I think like I like we hope that it really enhances your f- feeling of understanding or like connection to the text right because like you read things and you mentally taste them or have a sense of what they're like and to actually have that dish and to to have to encounter and like confront that dish in front of you and to eat it and ingest it physically it's like like i wasn't really expecting to like have this close relationship with this book Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but all right yeah um, (laughs) it is a very intimate yeah thing to be to to pull that out and have that right next to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's been something that I try, have I've tried to do in my reading for a long time. we've talked, we talk about this sometimes on the show, like, uh, having an orange, uh, when we were reading, oh, yeah. like, um, station 11 by M- uh-huh. Emily St. Uh, St. John Mandel, like eating an orange just because like, they don't have oranges anymore and they mention that they uh-huh. miss them. It's like, ha yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. Def- some people,
0: some people do it out of altruism. Some you do just it like out petty of with the characters yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: to each their own and to each moment their own. you know, right. own <laughs> right. you know, sometimes you want to spite your characters and sometimes you want to yeah. join them. Well, <laughs> it's true. It's
2: true. It's, it's one of the things we've talked about. Um, like one of the best parts about doing the reading series version of the, of tables of contents is, you know, we get to talk with authors, the authors afterwards, uh, about their process and about the role food plays in their work. And, and we get really interesting responses to, and I think in some cases there are questions that maybe authors haven't thought of like consciously, um, because food just finds its way into things. You're like, why did I use that? Like, what, what does that mean? Um, and talking about in a lot of, in, in a fair number of in- instances and in Sarah's book, for example, like food is not always a source of pleasure or like existing in a context of pleasure, the way it generally does in our lives mm-hmm. and trying to translate that into the dish and not just like making something delicious where it wouldn't make sense for something to just be like delicious. Like if the scene that it comes from or the book is like more complicated than that, how do you express that in the food? And like, how, how do you like, how much can you, can you honor what's going on through food um when I mean, you're talking it's about to come again. you're talking yeah.
1: about her novel girl at girl war, war yeah which is yeah. literally a, a young child soldier at right. war so yeah. that's that's uh whatever they're eating is a little different yeah, yeah exactly their- <laughs> yeah So why don't we pivot? You actually did a table of contents for this book that we read for the podcast. Yes, yes, yes um, you did. Zora Neale Hurston's "Their Eyes Were Watching God," and before we get to the table of contents, I do want to talk about first. I'll, I'll admit I definitely had a bias from you know fourteen-year-old me uh-huh. who thought that this book was impenetrable, mm. and we, you know for some reason even though that opinion is a 14 year old's opinion, it's something I carried over into adulthood. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the, and we've discovered this a couple of times, like super tragic, uh, part of our educational system is that you read these amazing books when you're young and then everyone's like, Oh yeah, I read that. You know, when you're adult, you're like, yeah, I read to kill a mockingbird when I was in whatever I read. I was watching God, like it was fine. And, <laughs> and you're like, well, it was just fine you wouldn't be reading it and like it wouldn't just have you read in school and when i've gone back to cook from them it's just like holy fuck these books are like like i i've left these books both those books in particular so shaken Mm -hmm. uh i was like uh, really like thankful that i I got back to them somehow right that this was a way to get back to reading those books which probably i would have been the same way like "Eh." yeah 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 i read that I have a low opinion of it yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: um but yeah i'm immensely thankful that i did come back to this book because i just a coming to it from from having lived for a little while which Uh i think uh, with a book like this is especially important Mm -hmm. but also just like having read a little more even a little more widely Mm -hmm. like if i had read this as even a senior in high school i wonder if i would have had a different impression of Mm -hmm. it Before we go any further, I guess for anyone who hasn't read the book, yes. or who read it in high school and has since been like, fuck it, uh, it is the story of a woman, Janie Crawford. Uh, she and, She has several last
1: names over the course of the book. And she's telling the story of her life.
0: Yeah. She's come back home after some sort of tragic event, and she's recounting to her best friend like, well, yep, here's what's happened over the last 30-ish years. Yeah.
1: I saw some shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, why did why did you bring this to us, this podcast? Why why was it time to talk about it?
2: Well, uh, this book it's kind it's kind of has there are a lot of layers, right? So, we did the tables of contents dinner on this book, but why do we do that in the first place? Um, It's a book I've been wanting to do for a while because I actually grew up for about eight years in Maitland, Florida, the town next to Eatonville, where Mm -hmm. the book is set. Um and where Zorna Hurston lived, um, And I hadn't gone back to read it since I was, since I was little. And after reading To Kill a Mockingbird <clears throat> and having the experience that I was like, I gotta go back and read this book. Um, and we had kind of done some books that had like a Southern vibe to them because Egg is a Southern restaurant and it sort of made sense. Um, and things lined up in a really great, great way. I, was, I wanted to really get into this book and like do some more research about it before we approached it. Um, from a culinary perspective, and uh, even bringing it here now to, the, to this podcast and, and doing the dinner about it, there was like a, a bit of like concern about it, right? Like George and I are two white guys uh, cooking from you know one of the great black women authors, uh, trying to trying to interpret and like bring out, out something, suggest that we have something to say about that book, right? Just like we would, like it's hard for us on the surface to suggest that we have anything really significant to say about this book is like three Brooklyn white dudes, you know, sitting <laughs> around. There. Um, and so I, I wanted to make sure, but, but I did have a connection to it, like a personal, like connection to it, to the place and like reading the book and and hearing the names of things and lakes and whatever that I, I knew from my childhood, like I, I connected with it on that level, um, immediately. Um, so I was going down to Miami to do a dinner on a Gertrude Stein, uh, book and, on my way there I spent some time in Eatonville and Maitland you're just like walking around like refeeling the place like re-feeling what central Florida is like going to Eatonville which like as a child like probably had almost no uh awareness of you know it's a town next to Maitland it's like 90 percent black Maitland's like 90 percent white and it there wasn't a lot of overlap um and it felt important to go back and, and kind of see what was really there and and try to try to understand it in, in a in a more significant way before I was going to cook from this book. And I'm really glad I did because I met some great people there, talked to a lot of uh, people from the town, uh, the docent who runs the Zora Hurston Museum down there. Just cool. learned learned a bunch, um, reread Zora's autobiography, Dust Tracks on the Road, um, reread this a few times, and it's just such a good. It's like such a good book <laughs> I mean, from the okay. first, the first line. Right. It's like, um, oh, it's so, so, good. so like beautiful and powerful, um, you know, ships at a distance have every man's wish on board, um, all the way to the end. Like there's an amazing balance of what could get into like, and I think, uh, you know, she, she avoids it perfectly. Like get into this kind of like romantic or like, overly folkloric uh, cliche descriptions or, or stories or whatever but she, you know Zora herself was so well researched knew so much about black folklore and was able to translate the feelings and the realities of of that existence in this town, which was the first free black town in the U S you know, uh, into into literature didactic. Exactly.
1: It doesn't feel like she's like, and then this happened. Like it never feels
2: like that. It feels very much driven by passion and character. Yeah. And Um, throughout reading the book, like at, at different times I felt like nauseous. I felt like hmm. near tears. I was reading this in the subway and like laughing out loud and like people around it, like uncontrollably just like, there's so much humor in this book. It's, it's, hilarious um and there's a lot of great food you know so so that's why we ended up bringing it to the dinner series and uh you know i just think it's one of those books worth revisiting and maybe, i guess that's why i brought it and brought it here
1: do you want to talk about the the menu yeah yeah i
0: um i can say that i was lucky enough to be eating at egg while you guys were prepping for the dinner uh, and got to, uh, sneak a tea cake, <laughs>
1: Oh, good! For which
0: I was like, this is, this is the best possible sort of like, eh? ah, yeah. joke for a book ever. <laughs> Cause I feel like tea cake himself would have been like, nice. Nice. Yeah.
1: So I hope so. So and there's three, um, there's three men that sort of shape, shape the book. Uh-huh. Uh, she moves from one to the next to the next. There's Mr. Willicks. Yeah. Willicks. Uh, Logan. Logan. Logan Willicks. Willicks. Um, and then there's Jody Starks, who starts the town and who's mm-hmm. definitely the mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Tea Cake Yeah. or or Mr. Woods. Right.
2: But he prefers Tea Cake. So when we, we approached it for the meal, um, with a book like this, and also we found like with a book like To Kill a Mockingbird, where there are books with plenty of food and plenty of Southern food that's... Um, hearty and simple and like enjoyable and right in our wheelhouse as a restaurant, like we know how to cook these things and people would expect them when it came to egg. There's an interesting, like for us, it was an interesting question to, to consider is like how to, how to approach that side of the book, but also how to not reduce the book to the kind of like almost stereotypical like foods of the black South or foods of the South. Um, and, you know, with this book, we had one, we had a couple courses that were pretty straightforward and, um, comforting. We had a a fried rabbit and beans course. They cook fried rabbit in the book and, Mm -hmm. um, it's different. We serve fried chicken and and rabbits kind of a new thing for some people. So there's a little bit of novelty to it, but it's also something that people can get into and and be comforted by. Um, and, uh, there are a couple courses that we serve that were a little bit more, uh, I don't know interpretive, um, that, that didn't necessarily have to do with food. Um, in the book, one of them was, you know, one of the great scenes in the images from the book is Joe standing on the, the dead carcass of, of Matt Bonner's mule. You know, after they drag it out of town <laughs> and giving this whole speech about like mule heaven. Um, and we <laughs> did, we did a dish kind of based around the description there, which has like so much of the humor of the book. And in, in that line, it says, uh, he spoke of the joys of mule heaven to which the dear brother had departed this valley of sorrow, the mule angels flying around, the miles of green corn and cool water, a pasture of pure bran with a river of molasses running through it, and most glorious of all, no Matt bonner with plough lines and halters to come in and corrupt. This <laughs> 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 is like so amazing. And there's like there's those small moments of transition, like between this like uh, imagery based description of something to like just this like sharp accessible like familiar like humor um i don't know i think her balance and in, in the book is 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 perfect um and then the other course we did was the one that raised the most kind of question between ourselves between Wait, george and i i'm sorry what was that course i'm oh, sorry that yeah that what was the course that. the course was dessert and we did um pasture brand with molasses river so we made a brand yes. cake uh, we baked, it had like a uh, bran flour in it and some dried fruit and we baked it, but then crumbled it up and like spread it, crumbled it along the plate with some herbs on it. I think there was some tarragon, um, and maybe some mint. So it was like this green and brown, like a field, like a new field. Um, and there was some some other nuts and sort of grains mixed in there and then we had a molasses uh, caramel sauce made with some vinegar and we poured that like over the plate and through the center of it so there's like molasses sauce running through this pasture of bran That's so, so it's kind of like it's it's almost exactly what the description <laughs> is in the book but that description has nothing to do with on first reading with food with something you would consume right so yeah. we we're to bring that horse heaven meal you know, <laughs> into into our mouths. And it was weird. Like, it was so weird to, like, cook and to plate. And even the flavors were, like, not, not like, uh, objectively delicious, right? It was a little yeah. bit more, like, challenging. And but, experiential. But, but, but right. the experience of it, I think, a lot of people, like many people said, that was one of their, their favorite courses of the night. Um, and then another one, which I think was probably my favorite course to, to conceive of and cook, that night and a lot. And I think the most powerful chorus of the meal was, um, a visual representation of this description after Janie and Tea cake have gone after, after the storm, um, mm. spoiler alert, there's a hurricane. Um, <laughs> and, uh, after the storm there, there, you know, tons of bodies to be buried and basically Tea cake gets caught by some like white authorities who are rounding people up, mainly black men to bury the bodies. Um, and, their descriptions of them taking these totally like um disfigured unrecognizable bodies like to the point of like they don't know what race they are they don't know if they're male female whatever um and they're burying them in pits and the the white police officers whoever they are stop stop the workers and like make sure you separate the white and the black bodies and like, well, we can't tell which one's, which, how can you do that? And, and, and why? And they say they're, they're making coffins for the white bodies and they're just throwing the black bodies in into the pits and they eventually have them look at the hair They're like, Oh, that's, you can tell, look at the hair and like separate the straight hair, you know, whatever. And, um, and there's just like, there's not a lot of discussion in the book of the racism of that time. You know, it's like kind of, because it's set in an all black town, it's kind of like, uh, cordoned off in a way, you know, I really wanted to cook something from that scene because it seemed like that was, that was a part of the book we couldn't leave out, right? We couldn't just cook these books, these, these dishes of, of pleasure, uh, moments of pleasure in the book where they're sitting down and sharing a meal and having a good time and the fire is warm or whatever. That sort of like feeling that exists at, at many points in the book. Um, so we did a dish, we made a, a grits cake, um, so we cooked some grits and set them in a pan and cut them into rectangles and floured them and fried them and it had this like light sort of pine colored exterior. And these were the the coffins. And then we had roasted Hen of the Woods mushrooms, which are if you've seen them before, maitake or Hen of the Woods, it was like kind of skeletal, like brain-looking mushrooms. You pull them apart and they're very oddly shaped. Um, and they kind of had this like splayed limb effect to them and roasted them and they were dark, and we had a a leak ash that we put on top and, a like like reduced pork sauce or something. So these like wet, dirty, soggy looking mushrooms, they're delicious, but the plate was the most, certainly the most stark of the whole meal. And so everyone reads the way I should have said this before, like the way you encounter the meal at first is when you sit down, you don't have a menu. Um, you have a stack of bookmarks and each bookmark has the passage and the course. And so you kind of, reveal them as you go along and you read the passage and then you see the, the brief description of the chorus underneath and then you're served it so you know the people who are sitting down in this room read the passage of of the the burial and the coffins and the discarding of the black bodies and it's like kind of like a you know sort of thing to read and then this gets set in front of you it's just like a stark like you know basically looks like a coffin and and a body um and there's like a you you can see in the room just like having that put, set in front of them and like being challenged to eat this and enjoy this uh, is like a intense experience. It's, it's intense just to listen to. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if you have a preconceived notion of this book because of high school and have even read it in high school. I'm just going to say like change your... Change that idea of it and and reread this if that's if that's where you're at and if you just you know you somehow missed it because you weren't in that class in high school or for whatever reason or whatever <laughs> or you just it was decided not to read it yeah <laughs> you just, yeah we've you, all been there you copied lie. off your you skipped <laughs>
0: straight to the blowing it up in the mailbox right yeah
1: <laughs> you just read Spark Notes um, if you did that you know I think it's check it out because it's it it feels completely modern like the idea that it was written in 1937 is insane mm-hmm. because yeah. it does not it reads like anything that if you said this book came out two years ago or whatever you would i would yeah yeah it doesn't It. it's completely and
2: utterly timeless and you know coming from her like zora neale Hurston, is like kind of this timeless certainly well ahead of her time you know woman it's it's kind of not surprising yeah. um but it's it's very reflective of I don't know her, her honesty and her disregard for what might've been expected of her or, or, or writing. You know. mm-hmm. it
0: yeah. It does that thing that, that you always hope classics will do where it just, it doesn't matter when it was written. It mm-hmm. speaks straight to the truth of
1: things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's move to recommendations. Huh? Yeah, speaking of the, have you heard of? Yeah. Um, Drew, do you want to start us off?
0: Uh, Sure. I have another one. Uh, We were talking a little earlier about Hemingway. Uh, And this year I have been... Since I didn't read any Hemingway in school, I didn't have Hmm. to. And I also, for whatever reason, never thought, like, this is something I ought to read anyway. Uh, I just read... I finished it on the way here and, like, actually burst into tears on the train on the way here. Um, To Have and Have Not which it's about a, a guy sort of doing smuggling runs between Key West and Cuba uh, right around the time of the revolution in Cuba. And it like there's this, it's it's a good thriller. It's like a good sort mm-hmm. of like proto uh, John le Carré sort of like mm-hmm. thriller. But then the very end of the book, he all of a sudden just like does this sort of, virginia Wolfie thing of like spinning through a bunch of people's heads as they're all sleeping in these huh. boats in the marina and like spoilers the last boat that comes in has like this guy who's hanging on to life um after like a shootout with some cubans on the high seas but as he goes through these heads and like talks about their struggles and their strifes and their happinesses and like the the people who have died because of certain people and the people who have lived because of other ones I, it, hmm. it was the first moment with Hemingway I was like oh he's not just an amazing writer mm. like the actual act of writing he knew some shit mm-hmm. about humanity mm. um, and it's one of those ones that like is never mentioned in the first breath of Hemingway but mm-hmm. I definitely recommend it mm. yeah.
2: Evan, how about you? That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm reading 1004 by Ben Lerner right now. Nice. It's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I, really, I really like that. I'm not all the way through it, so I'm not sure that I can recommend it entirely, but I can recommend reading at least half of it so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I've been re- recommending, uh, it's what I said I bought earlier, but Adam Phillips, if you haven't read him and are looking for like ways to really fuck with yourself um <laughs> it's a very direct way of doing that um he he has a bunch of uh, amazing amazing books um probably the first one i would suggest to read is a book called on on kissing tickling and being bored and uh done yeah. i mean it's like an amazing title also <laughs> um but he has yeah tons of books just uh, partly about, or at least uh, incidentally about his, some case stu- case studies. Uh, but then it just moves into, it's like Oliver Sacks sort of like, yeah. sort of, but, uh, I think even like beyond, um, in, in the depth that he gets to.
1: Can you recommend a, a cookbook or something that you're definitely looking from? Yeah, that's a good
2: idea. So, um, the Basque book by Alex Raj. Um, she has Chiquito and La Vara and El Quinto Pino and a new restaurant called Tekoa, um, two of them down in my neighborhood and is a good friend of mine and an amazing, amazing cook. Um, I love Basque food. Um, you can definitely get a recipe for the Spanish tortilla, uh, in that book. Um, also brooks headley's book called fancy desserts is one of the best reads of a cookbook that you'll ever find his voice is so good he's like a punk rock drummer turned three michelin star sort of or two michelin (laughs) star whatever like amazing pastry chef um and just the stories and the tone of these some of which are like extremely fastidious like fancy dessert recipes written from like yeah so like fuck everything like so like punk vibe um is amazing um and then the one of my favorite cookbooks ever is called roast chicken and other stories by a british chef named simon hopkinson it's one of the first cookbooks ever really cooked from down in new orleans i made like my first fancy meal for um my girlfriend down there like it was so so cliche it was like whole roasted heads of garlic like spread on bread and it was like look how amazing i am (laughs) (laughs) um but the the voice in that book is is really comforting and uh and hilarious and british and right now maybe we need to hear some british voices especially the comforting (laughs) ones yeah right not not the ones we are hearing which are the crazy yeah (laughs)
0: Um. Chef,
1: thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, we really appreciate it. This was really fun. Thank thanks for having me. And thanks thank for I feel more literate already. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for recommending this book. I mean, it was great to to revisit it and realize that I never really visited it the first time.
0: Yeah, this is uh this this made me this changed my life.
2: the restaurant's like butter or shell or what is it called <laughs> yeah. you think it would be the easiest name to remember but it's too easy